1: Ako po si Robby Alampay, Buma podcast. Members of the Liberal Party have filed a joint resolution to distribute direct cash assistance to rice farmers. This in response to falling farm gate prices of Palay, which has fallen to as low as 7 pesos per kilo in some areas. Farmers are not profiting and even losing as much as 5 pesos per kilo. The resolution will create a special emergency fund worth 13.19 billion pesos. If passed, the Department of Agriculture will disperse and monitor the fund.
0: But there's a question as well about uh, how how sustainable that fund is. If it's going to be a recurring fund, then do we have to allow 13 billion year in, year out? So, I mean, compared to... uh, Something that's more sustainable that will actually help farmers uh, improve their competitiveness rather than incentivizing them to just rely on cash transfers year in, year out. So there's that uh, sustainability question as well.
1: That was JC Punong in a phone interview with Puma Podcast. He is an economist and host of the Usapang Econ Podcast. Several lawmakers and farmers' organizations are blaming the falling prices on the rice tarification law. The law replaced import quotas with tariffs. As a result, imported cheap rice flooded the market, and local producers struggled to compete with the falling prices. Congressional representatives of the Macabayan bloc have called for the law to be repealed. On the other hand, Agriculture Secretary William Dar said there are many factors at play, and it is too soon to amend a 5 months old law must uh, let's accelerate now because this is the time to plan design and uh, implement itong rice competitiveness enhancement plan let me have a caveat here we have really neglected our uh, support to developing agriculture all these 30 years only nagmamadali na tayo ting itong next 6 years i hope we can do it with all the uh, political will, executive will, and the like, yes, I think uh, the next six years will be the the time where the rice farmers will really be made more productive, uh, competitive, and prosperous. Yes, whatever would make them happy. That was President Duterte's response on September 10 when reporters asked if he would prioritize the SOGI Equality Bill. The next day, presidential spokesman Salvador Panelo clarified that the president will prioritize an anti-discrimination bill, but not necessarily the SOGI Equality Bill. In response to Panelo's clarification, Senator Risa Ontiveros, one of the authors of the SOGI Bill, said that she would welcome a general anti-discrimination measure, but she insists that her bill is still the best policy tool to protect the rights of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. Panelo did not name any particular anti-discrimination bill that the president would endorse. One such bill is the Comprehensive Anti-Discrimination Act filed by Senator Sani Angara. This version would protect a wide range of sectors and would bar any discrimination on the basis of gender, age, race, social class, HIV status, and more.
0: The government will formally withdraw the bill in order to fully allay public concerns. The Secretary for Security will move a motion according to the rules of procedure when the Legislative Council resumes.
1: That was Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam announcing the withdrawal of the controversial extradition bill on September 4. The bill would have allowed for criminal suspects in Hong Kong to be tried in China. Lam's move to withdraw the bill meets the first of five demands of the protesters. Other calls include removing the classification of the protests as riots, the investigation of police brutality, the grant of amnesty for arrested protesters, and the grant of universal suffrage for the Legislative Council. Those other demands remain unmet. The protests in Hong Kong continue. In many parts of Hong Kong, this is now a familiar nightly sound. It's in line with a protest called the Million Scream. Hong Kong residents provide solidarity to each other by shouting protests and protest slogans from their residences every 10 p.m. On September 8, the 14th weekend of demonstrations, protesters marched to the U.S. Consulate. The protesters are calling on U.S. President Donald Trump to stand with Hong Kong and for the American Congress to pass a Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. Hong Kong! Hong Kong! Bottom line, the protests seem far from over, and Beijing's warnings have gotten stronger. An editorial on the Global Times, a tabloid aligned with the Communist Party in China, said that, quote, If the situation in Hong Kong gets out of control, Beijing will definitely take action in accordance with the basic law, unquote. What you're hearing is from the score of the 1917 Sarsuela Dalagang Bukid. Two years after that Zarzuela was released, Jose Nepomuceno adapted it to a silent film, the first movie produced by a Filipino and starring Atang De La Rama. Again, that was 100 years ago and the movie Dalagang Bukid marked the beginning of Filipino filmmaking. One century later, there are no known copies of the film. It's not the only one that's been lost to time.
0: Uh, siguro out of the films that we have, siguro 65% of it are already lost and gone.
1: That was Lisa Dino Seguera, chairperson of the Film Development Council of the Philippines. Among the FDCP's mandates is to protect, to promote, and to preserve Filipino films. The oldest film archived by the FDCP is the 1937 film Zamboanga, the first Filipino film to be shown internationally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The scene from Zamboanga ends with a kiss between the romantic leads Fernando Po Sr. and Rosa del Rosario. The FDCP is the lead agency for celebrating the centennial of Philippine cinema. On September 12, the FDCP held Cine Sandaan, which will honor 300 luminaries of Philippine cinema and kick off a year-long celebration of 100 years of Filipino filmmaking.
0: Because wow. we're talking about people from behind camera mm. yeah. to your unsung heroes, to your, uh, to your genre cinema of the Philippines, the bomba era of the Philippines, <laughs> to your icons. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's so diverse.
1: Celebrations for the centennial of Philippine cinema will continue until September 2020.
0: Throughout the year, uh, wow. we will be holding conferences, film talks, retrospective film screenings. We will have installations, galleries featuring different milestones in our industry.
1: Next week marks the 47th anniversary of the Declaration of Martial Law under President Ferdinand Marcos. A few myths about the economy during this era endure to this day. You may have heard some of them.
0: Kaya naman marami nagsasabi na nakabuti naman talaga si Pangulong Marcos sa ekonomiya kasi tignan mo yung mga dami ng infrastructure projects na pinatayo niya kabilang yung Cultural Center of the Philippines, Philippine International Convention Center, yung Heart, Lung, Kidney Centers, saka mga daan at tulay tulad ng San Juanico Bridge.
1: That is Mayan Vidal parsing the data with her Usapang Econ co-host, J.C. Punong Bayan.
0: How did the government fund those projects?
1: That is one of the most
0: crucial issues here, Mayan. Kasi marami nga sa mga proyektong iyon ay pinunduhan ng napakalaking utang panlabas o external debt ng rehiming marcos biruin mo sa loob lamang ng limang taon mula 1977 hanggang 1982 yung utang panlabas ng pilipinas nadagdagan ng 16 billion dollars the national debt ballooned during martial law pero yung nangyari during the martial law years ay number one hindi naging sustainable yung panguutang and second hindi naging productive yung maraming proyekto ng rehiming marcos
1: to this day, we are still paying for the overpriced infrastructure projects built during the 1970s and 80s.
0: Yung mga politiko, favorite talaga nila yung mga infrastructure projects. And we know that as well from everyday experience. For example, paborito nila yung mga basketball court, yung mga waiting shed. At ito kasi yung mga proyekto kung saan pwede nilang isalpak yung kanilang pangalan. Kung baga, magpapasalamat yung mga tao sa mga proyektong ito dahil pinatayo ito ni Mayor. At ganito rin
1: yung strategy I think ni Pangulong Marcos noon. Kaya naman hanggang ngayon,
0: marami pa rin yung nagpapasalamat sa kanya.
1: In the podcast Conversations with Randy David, broadcast journalist Cheche Lazaro revisits the state of media right after martial law was lifted.
0: We were in a pressure cooker the whole time mm-hmm. of the Marcos period where mm-hmm. you were suppressed. No no news was coming out. Mm-hmm. Everything was the mosquito press. Everything was coming That's out in, right. in bits oh. and pieces and underground. So there was this, there was all of a sudden you lift the pressure exactly. cooker.
1: Back then, it was clear to the public that journalists and media were strong defenses against tyranny. After martial law and the fall of the dictatorship, however people began to be more critical of media, while some sectors and politicians even framed them as enemies.
0: People thought that the new dictators were mainstream media. Yes. That they controlled the information, Mm -hmm. no? And there was
1: no way of uh, responding to them Mm -hmm. because it was a one-way flow of communication. Correct, yes. Ms. Lazaro appreciates this change as a challenge. Rather than a threat. Do you think that people like yourself representing a, a different vision of, of the
0: role of the mass media in society would have relevance in, in a world such as that we have been describing just now? I think we all have to reinvent ourselves. Okay. Because there's this new there's this new uh, generation of And a new way of communicating, we have to rethink the way we speak, the way we present material.
1: Listen to more of Randy David's conversation with Cheche Lazaro next week. We would also like to congratulate Professor David for receiving the Fukuoka Grand Prize. The annual award recognizes outstanding groups and individuals for their work in preserving, developing, and celebrating the diverse Asian culture. Follow Puma Podcast so you will know when the next episode of Conversations with Randy David drops. For many Filipinos, September marks the beginning of a very long holiday season. What better way to start celebrating than to visit the Manila International Book Fair? Start shopping for your holiday gifts with exclusive selections from your favorite bookstore chains as well as new favorites from independent publishers. MIBF is the longest-running book fair in the country, and this year, they have even more activities for book lovers. Bring your family along to the exhibits and events. One of them is the two-day return of Pop Hub, where you can geek out with the country's largest fandoms, meet other people who love the same shows, movies, books, and games as much as you do. The MIBF runs from September 11 to 15 at the SMX Convention Center, Mall of Asia Complex, Pasay City. We will see you there. And that's the latest from Puma Podcast. For more content, subscribe to Puma Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Maraming salamat po.